Well, again, welcome to RUF. Um, hey, so what we're doing this semester is we're actually, it's a little bit off key. We normally are going through um, a book of the Bible or we're going through a series that's a little more closely attached uh, to that theme. But what we're doing this semester is we're actually going to do a study on the Apostles' Creed. And what we're doing tonight is I want to kind of tell you why we're doing a study on the Apostles' Creed. Um, I realize that I don't know what your background is. Uh, it might sound a little weird at first, but I hope by the end of tonight you'll, you'll understand why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but to do that tonight, we're actually going to look at some of Paul's words from 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 3. And I'm going to try to tie it all together. And the, the theme of tonight is why do we need the creed? But first, start with me, with me 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 3. Then I'll pray for us, and then we'll just jump in. Here's what Paul writes. If you know anything about Corinthians, it was a pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy church in a crazy time. Lots of wild sins that would, would still shock us. And here's what Paul says. He says, And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into it. Let's pray first. Our Lord, we thank you. For the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, some of us come and we're, we're really glad to be here. And we thank you for the joy that you give to us. And Lord, some of us, we're, we're anxious. And we're not sure why we're here. And Lord, we thank you that you are the Holy Comforter. That you are the one who draws near to us. Who are brokenhearted and afraid. And would you speak your words over us. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. Lord, would you be with us tonight, and as we look all semester at this creed that is a beautiful, concise summary of your story of redemption, of the gospel, Lord, would you meet us, would you challenge us, would you comfort us, would you grow us in likeness to Jesus? And we pray these things in his name. Amen. All right, so uh, massive introvert. Um, some, of you, some of you know that. Some of you, I'm sorry, have experienced it already. If I feel awkward at small talk, it's because I am. I'm just not good at it. But if I ask you the question, what is the worst or hardest question you've ever been asked? What would it be for you? Mine's pretty vivid. This would have been probably six years ago. I'm in this kind of counseling group working on an issue in my life. And the counselor who's leading it, uh, she's going around the room of a group of about probably 10 people. And the question is this, and we had to answer it one by one. The question was, what do you need right now? And I was supposed to, in front of this group of people that I didn't know very well, what it felt like, bear my soul and tell them what I need right now. Uh, Maybe it's because I am a debilitating introvert. Uh, Maybe it is because of my pride. But that is still a question that I hate so much. What do you need right now? And so what I want to do tonight is kind of be so bold to say to us, to say to myself, to say to you, what I, why I think the creed gives us, as followers of Jesus, what we need right now. And it's three things. If we're ever going to be faithful followers of Jesus in a dark, confusing, often bewildering, uh, bewildering, divisive time, what do we need? And it's three things that I think the creed actually gives to us because it is the summary of redemption, the summary of the gospel. Three things 
that if we're going to follow Jesus humbly and faithfully and yet courageously that we need three things. Here they are. First, an identity that lasts. Second, a direction that's clear. And third, a rest that actually restores. An identity that lasts, a direction that's clear, and a rest that actually heals and restores us. Let's start first, an identity that lasts. Here's the question. I think this is a question that I've been asking myself in the last you know, couple of years, thinking about what it means to be a Christian in, in, in America. Here's the, here it is. How do you go, how do you make belonging to Jesus the noun of who you are instead of simply an adjective that kind of fits in wherever it fits? How do you go from making it like an adjective that kind of just fits into your life to the noun of your life, the noun of who you are? Um, so over, over COVID, over quarantine, one of my, you know what, it's not, I was going to say sad hobbies. It wasn't a sad hobby. I got really into walking. Not like power walking, although I've done some wall walking before. I'm 41. It's amazing. I get it now. Um, I'm like this close to being the guy with the New Balances and the, the, the sweat towel. You know the guy with the sweat towel? That's such a power move. But I got really into walking, and specifically around, we live in Forest Acres, around that whole area. And one of the most fascinating things to me was all the yard signs in the last, like, you know, three, four, or five years Often, always political, you know, from, from everything from Trump, Biden to like the creed of whatever sort of political party you might feel attached to, to my favorite, which was presidents are temporary, but Wu-Tang is forever. Amen. Um, to uh, one of my favorites, which is just yards that would have like the Nicene Creed, which is kind of a flex, but maybe like, I don't know. But it feels like we're longing to say what we believe. Who, and, and what we believe says who we are. Uh, or think about it like this. Think about in your own life the way that you want to define or describe yourself. I've been thinking about this recently a lot because I'm a huge Enneagram nerd. And I talk all the time about my fourness. And I'm sorry if I've done that over coffee too much. I talk a fair amount about a chronic struggle with depression. And sometimes I can feel myself, are these the things that actually define me? Is this who I am? We're, we're looking for something to define us. And yet, the irony for us is those who belong to Jesus is we already have it. Here's how I was thinking about it today. The truest thing about me as someone who belongs to Jesus is that he made me. He lived the life I could never live. He died the death that I deserved to die. He rose again that I might have an eternal welcome, celebration with God the Father. He is working me, working in me even now by his spirit to make me more like himself. He is using by his grace the, the small work that I have to offer as a campus minister to hopefully build his kingdom and establish his throne of grace. He promises that when I die... Or when he returns, whichever comes first, that I will be with him forever. That all of my tears will be wiped away. That all of the darkness and suffering will not be for nothing. And if you belong to him, that's true of you too. It's most true of you. This is why I wanted to do Paul in Corinthians. Because here's Paul living. These Corinthians are living in a confusing time with plenty of struggles that again would shock us to this day and Paul is saying, I want you to be so clear on who it is that you actually are. If you belong to Jesus, you are one for whom he died. He lived and died and rose again. That is the, the core, the depth, 
the truest thing about you. And the creed, the Apostles' Creed, which we're going to get into more explicitly starting next week, the creed is a reminder of who we really are as those who belong to Jesus. What is most deeply true about us. In other words, its power is not only reminding us who we are, but it's inviting us into this distilled story of redemption. The the legend of the creed is there are 12 kind of lines, each written by one of the apostles. It's probably a legend, probably not true, but what it became in the church was something by which we confess, here is the gospel. Here is the story of redemption. And here is what is true about me and you if we belong to Christ. And its power is not simply in how it distills that, but it's because, and this is what I love is where we're doing it, it's ancient and yet never outdated. Think about when, you, when we say it together, I don't know what kind of church you go to, if you go to church, it's fine, but when you have said it, if you've ever said it in your life, when we say, I, I believe, I believe, who is the I? And there is power in the I, because the I connects us, it connects me and you to a body of believers that stretches not only back thousands of years, but stretches wide across the globe to our brothers and sisters in Asia and Africa and Antarctica and Afghanistan that we prayed for every tribe and tongue. Uh, I love Tish Warren in her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary. She's got this beautiful image that she, that she paints where she's talking about a priest in a church in Nashville. I think it's actually Thomas McKenzie. He actually tragically died this week. This is where I came across it. And she used to go to his church. He's an Anglican priest in Nashville. And she said every time he set the Lord's table, here's what he would say. And I'm just going to read what she says. She says, the priest at the church, Thomas McKenzie, I used to attend, often asked us to imagine the communion table stretching on for miles to remind us that when we take communion, we mysteriously feast with all those who are in Christ. And I love the way she says it. In the Eucharist, we, content, we commune with Dorothy Day and St. Augustine, the Apostle Paul and Billy Graham, Flannery O'Connor and my own grandmother. One day we will all feast together in the flesh with Christ himself, an identity that transcends and lasts I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan. Uh, it's become an obsession for me and my wife. But the Christmas, so season two, Christmas special. I, this is a hot take. I think it's like the most Christian Christmas special I've ever seen, which I think some people are like, Ooh. But here's what happens. If you've not seen it, here's what happens. So if you don't know Ted Lasso, he's this sort of football coach who becomes a soccer coach in England. And uh, it's just, he's hilarious, but so beautifully sincere. And there's this, in this special uh, one of the owners, not one of the guys that manages the team, has the team over for Christmas Day because the team is from all over the world. Like they're from France, they're from Africa, they're from all over the world. And it's a potluck. And the way the episode goes is they stretch across this table, each of them bringing their favorite dish from home. And it's this beautiful feast. Like it's the most, it's the most beautiful picture I've ever seen of the new heavens, new earth, where, where literally Revelation, we talk about every tribe and tongue coming together in joy. Why? In Ted Lasso, it's because of soccer. For us, it's because of Jesus. We come, that is the identity, the, the, the lasting identity that the creed reminds us of. So first, an identity that lasts. Second, a direction that's clear. So if I can get clear on my identity in Christ, who I really am, who I ultimately am in him, the next question is, how does that actually change the way that I do life, the way that I live life, the way that I go about my life, how I relate 
to the world around me, what I should do. Um, it was Gandhi that famously said when he was asked about Christianity, he said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians, for they are so unlike your Christ. So if the creed invites us to remember who we are as those who belong to Jesus, it also invites us, here's the invitation, it invites us to stay near to Jesus in every part of life, to, say, to stay near to him in every part of our life. And it spells this out, if you know it, it's in your handout, it spells it out in the third section. I believe in what? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Here's how I'm going to try to say it. To confess the creed is to confess your need for Jesus and his grace. And to confess your need for Jesus and his grace is to confess your need for these things, the church. For what we started to call thick, <laughs> thick Christian community. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't call it that. But that idea of deep, rich Christian community. I'm, you know what? I'm going to say it that way. Thick Christian community. That you have sins that need forgiving. Like you do. I do. Daily. Lots. That you have sins that need to be forgiven against you. That your body is good. And it has a lot to do with following Jesus. That your deepest hopes and dreams for your life have less to do with people, places, positions, power, money. We could keep going and much more to do with Jesus and his kingdom and what he wants for you. Again, back to Paul and to the Corinthians. He's not just saying you've forgotten who you are, but he's also saying you've forgotten where you're going. Because it's not about you, it's about Jesus, it's about Christ and him crucified. And if your life is not always centering on that, you've forgotten not only who you are, but where you're going. Because here's what ultimately matters. Christ and him crucified. Full stop. I'm doing a lot of hand talking. I'll switch. We'll look at this way. Um, another way to say this is the creed gives us clear direction. I love the way Ben Myers in his little book says it. He says, because it's both informative. It says, what is it that we believe? All right, here's why this is important to me. Like we're, we're in it. I don't know how familiar you are with like Christian uh, language and that kind of thing, but we are in a kind of a phase where to deconstruct is really uh, popular. And I want to say, yeah, good. We should be deconstructing from things that are not at the center of Scripture. But we also need guardrails. And the creed gives us that about what, what is it? What, if we could distill it down to what C.S. Lewis calls mere Christianity, what is it? It's the creed. So it's informative. What, what does it mean? That, what do we believe as those who belong to Jesus? But it's also, I love the way he says it, performative. Not in like we earn it. Not in like we um, are doing something that makes us worthy but in that it gives us guidance in what we should be about. Can I say it that way? What are you about? Is it centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that clear from what you're about? In other words, what do we actually believe, but also how does what we believe change everything that we do? All right, so for the first time in my life, I've seen all the Harry Potter movies. My wife is a huge Harry Potter nerd. She read them all as they came out. She's just an avid reader. I would like to be. I like to read. I like books. Don't judge me, but I'm a... Uh, anyways, so, so for the first time, I'm like reading them by listening to them as I go to sleep. You're, we're going to get a lot of Harry Potter illustrations. <laughs> a lot of Harry Potter illustrations this uh, semester. I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. 
But here's what I'm thinking. So I just finished, um, I'm in, I just finished uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. So the Marauder's Map, if you remember the Marauder's Map, where, you know, it's that, hat, it's that map that Harry has that he can, you can sort of see where everyone at Hogwarts is at any given time. And as I'm thinking about the creed, that's what the creed is like. It actually shows us where we are. It shows us, are we believing what we actually believe in a way that's changing us, in a way that's changing our lives? Another way to say it is, is are we living as if we believe these things to be true? Uh, Where are we struggling to believe what Scripture says is true? Where, Where do we need help to say, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. Listen, freshman year especially is so much. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Christian community is so much about, would you help me believe what we believe? So first, an identity that lasts. Second, um, an identity that lasts. Second, a direction that is clear. And then lastly, a rest that restores. And this is where we're going to land the plane. A rest that restores. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, what do I do when I fail? What do I do when I say I believe in the forgiveness of sins because that's me? What do I do when I haven't been, I hate this language, when I haven't been a strong Christian? There's no such thing as a strong Christian. We're weak, but we have a strong Christ. Is there a limit? Isn't there a limit, we think to ourselves, of how many times I can really mess up? Or if I do this, then I'm out. Or if I don't do this, then I'm out. I love the way that Anne Lamott, one of my favorite writers, says it. If you are what you do and you fail, what then? But we are what the creed says. We are not what we do. We are what Jesus has done for us. And this is the last thing I want you to see. The beauty of the creed, why we're doing it, is it's for you, but it's not about you. It's for you, but not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have done to redeem you. This is, again, why Paul says what he says. He's saying, I'm not coming to you in lofty speech or wisdom. I'm coming to you as one for whom Jesus died. It's not about me. It's about him. And it's not about you, he's saying. It's about him, Christ and him crucified. Listen, so much of the way we do life and so much of the way we do the Christian life is about us, not about him. And the creed is an invitation to make it about him. So much of the way we do life, it leaves us, if we're being honest, we're looking for rest. And yet the things we look to make us even more restless Even our rest disappoints. The rest that five points promises leaves us hungover or worse. The rest our GPA promises leaves us with yet more to do, more to achieve, more to study. The rest our girlfriend, boyfriend promises leaves us hating ourselves so often. The rest our vacations promise leave us still having to come home. And the creed says there is a yet better rest. And his name is Jesus. The rest that he has for you is that he sees you. 
in all of your heartache, in all of your struggle, he sees you with eyes of compassion. He knows you. Paul says in another place, in him we live and move and have our being. He knows us more than we know ourselves. And he loves you. He came for you and for me. I love the way that Tim Keller says it. He says, when you find him, he will fulfill you. And when you fail him, and you will, me too, he will forgive you. Close with this. Um, All right, so I'm a big, I'm trying to become a Harry Potter nerd, but I am a a big uh, sports radio nerd. And so I've been listening a lot to the transition from Muschamp to Beamer. And one of the things that they keep saying is, Muschamp, part of why you failed here, we could just talk for it. This is a whole other sermon, but um, part of why he failed was he made things that, are, that should be simple way more complicated. And part of what, when, you've, when I've heard players talk and, and um, sports heads talk, they're like, the thing that we are impressed about Beamer so far, okay, we'll see. All right, proof is in the pudding. We'll see. Give it a week. But the thing that they like so far is he takes things that could be very complicated and he makes them simple. Why? Not because he's like, y'all are dumb. You got to keep it simple. That's not it. It's because he's saying, we're going to keep the main things, the main thing. And we're going to stay dialed into what football is all about. We're not going to make it overly complicated. There's a way of doing Christianity where we overly complicate it. And why we're doing the Apostles' Creed this semester is can we, can we follow, I'm not going to say, let's follow Shane Beamer. No, no. Can we try to just keep the main thing, the main thing, which is Christ and him crucified. Next week we're going to get into I believe, but let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for uh, who you are to us. We thank you for the gospel that though we know ourselves to be worse than we are, we are more loved and delighted in and and rejoiced over than we even know. Would you root that into us? Lord, if we've never heard the gospel, would you resound it in our ears and hearts by your spirit, even as we leave this place and go eat snowballs? (laughs) But Lord, for those of us who belong to you, would you root us ever more deeply in who we are in you and where it is that we're going as your followers? And then the rest that you have already given to us, would you give us that rest even tonight, we pray. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. All right, so this is your first time. This might be a little, little, little awkward. We, uh, we stand, we're going to stand, and we end with a doxology. So just, I like to say, embrace the awkwardness. That's a big part of belonging to RUF. And uh, are you? Yeah, 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 you're the singer. Yep. <laughs> Take us on, Banks.